0: And so, if nothing else, I want to spread the information and to help mentor people. I gave a talk today at Eastern Michigan, and my last slide was literally my cell phone number, my email address, and I'm like, take a picture of this and shoot me a text. I will text you back, because if nothing else, we have a responsibility, even if it's just a quick question. I'm all about doing it for the hood. I'm from Detroit. Like, that's like, that's my pronoun.
1: Like, Detroit like, I identify as a Detroiter. Like, What up, though, Black Fridays family? Welcome back to another installment of the Black Fridays podcast. And I am joined today by Miss Asha Jones of Trip Slip. How are you doing today?
0: Doing great. It's actually Friday, so it feels apropos. Exactly. Black Fridays, and it's Friday. It's been a good week.
1: Very appropriate. Very <laughs> appropriate. So, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come out. And I wanted to know if you could invite us into your world a little bit and tell us, uh, give us some background on yourself and Trip Slip.
0: It's a really broad question, bro. Like, <laughs> my world. Okay, so <laughs> Trip Slip, the short answer is that Trip Slip is trying to solve the field trip problem. We want to put field trips at people's fingertips. Because when you think about the field trip process, it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80 years old. You filled out a piece of paper. You had to take it home to your parents. Hopefully, they give you money to come back to the school to give to the teacher in enough time for them to actually do the field trip. And it's a really clunky, sort of like messy process for everybody, for the teacher, for the parent, for the vendor, for the transportation company, for all parties involved. So that's where TripSlip comes from. Um, Me, I'm from Detroit, graduate of Detroit Public Schools, proud graduate of the Detroit School of the Arts, um, and have seen the inequalities that exist within our city, within our county, within Southeast Michigan, as it relates to experiential learning. So when I was a kid, as an adult, as a parent now, as a chaperone on these field trips, as a bus driver, like I can give you the whole like journey of how we got to field trip permission slip app. That's a little weird, but I ended up getting a commercial driver's license because I had this idea for a business. I was catering. Um, on the heels of going through my first divorce. Um, My my oldest daughter at the time was about a year old. And it's like, I want to supplement my income. How can I do that? Let me start catering, charging people, doing baby showers and that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, this isn't really scalable. What about like a cart? Because I was a process server. So my day job, I was a process server. I did security guard work while I was going to school trying to figure out this new single parenthood situation and I would go to the court and there was a guy that used to sell hot dogs. I get to talking to the dude. He tells me he makes $80,000 a year and he doesn't work the winters. Mm. I'm like selling hot dogs. <laughs> I could make some real money if I sell soul food. So I was going to do a soul food cart. That idea evolved into doing like a trailer. Then food trucks came along to Detroit and I experienced a food truck and I was like, okay, this is cool, but it's a kitchen on wheels. And it's a very long process. If I want to go to a food truck, you got to find it, stand in line, wait for them to cook your order, wait for it to get ready, wait for it to cool off, and then you eat. That could take an hour. By the time that I got to experience food trucks, I was doing business to business sales, driving a van from place to place and selling products. And I'm like, man, you go to some of these places in Romulus, New Boston, Brownstown, it's all these people who work at these giant plants who only got 30 minutes to eat lunch. Mm -hmm. What if we put it on a bus? It's like, okay, what does that look like? A transit bus, because a transit bus has two doors. So I said, we're going to do a cafeteria on wheels. We're going to call it a buster run. So hot food, cold food, one side, one side, walk in, pick out your food cafeteria style, pay exit, and actually enjoy your lunch. So if I'm going to own a buster run, I should know how to drive it. I'm like, this is a great idea. I quit. <laughs> I quit my job. <laughs> no joke. I quit my job. I said, I'm about to do this buster run thing. But I need to learn how to drive a bus. So I get a CDL, and I end up with my sales background becoming a sales director for a transportation company um, that shall remain nameless because they're trash. But I was there for about two years and some change and saw how putting together all of these trips, so many inefficiencies from you know the organization side, from the bus side. From the parental side, because at this time we're talking 2016, my youngest, my oldest daughter's 10. I'm remarried. I got another daughter, so I'm chaperoning field trips, and I'm seeing all the things that could go wrong. Fast forward a little bit more, I end up working at Detroit Historical Society, which owns and operates the Detroit Historical Museum, the Dawson Great Lakes Museum. So I'm coordinating field trips. We're doing trips for all the districts, all the schools, and what we see very, very often, especially with the DPS kids, is that. The trip is paid for by the district. The buses are taken care of. They don't have to do anything except get a signed permission slip and bring it back. And they don't show up because they don't have enough of them. And I'm like, nobody solved this problem yet. That's when I get this idea for trip slip. So it puts together all of those things. I end up killing the bus to run idea, which was called lunch break. But break like on your car because it was mobile. Mm. Because it's a lot Believe it or not, even though I had a I won a, tr- a pitch competition, I bought this bus. The bus is worth probably fifty grand. And I had this idea and intellectual property and contracts with people who I'll buy their food wholesale and sell it, you know, retail on the bus, that business was worth less as an actual functioning business than the idea of um of an app or of a technology company. So it just made more sense. And that's where Tripslip came from. That was uh we rolled out officially in 2021 and mm-hmm. things are going pretty decent
1: nice nice so we'll get more into the details of trip slip in this current state in a moment but i would like to introduce you to my favorite part of black fridays which is freestyle friday okay. so it's a random assortment of questions they all about you so you shouldn't get them wrong and i just ask that you answer everyone and you answer honestly okay All right, let's do it. So, um, who was your favorite teacher that you can remember growing up?
0: Mr. Quick. He was my music teacher at DSA.
1: Okay. So, you're a a singer at heart?
0: No, I'm Uh, a percussionist. Play drums.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Nice. So, being from Detroit, I need to know if you can only keep one of these or have one of these in your possession. You might have both, I'm not sure. But if you had to pick one over the other, would you prefer to have a mink coat? Or some buffs. And for I those listening, say buffs. for those listening and those uh watching this, if you don't know what buffs are, there are cardio cardio frames that are have buffalo built into the earpiece of the glasses. So
0: <sighs> you coat. have to pick one. Mint coat? coat. Okay. What about what would you pick?
1: <sighs> the goal is to have both, but if I only, if I could only have one, I'm going with the glasses. I'm going to I'm going with the buffs. I
0: kind of figured that. I think females will go with the coat and fellas will go with the buffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a safe bet. Yeah, that's a safe bet.
0: Because I, I I'm just thinking about all my aunties who had the real furs. <laughs> I got a collar. All I got is the fur collar so far. <laughs> I don't have a coat yet. So yeah, the fur for soon sure. soon come soon <laughs> come.
1: <laughs> um, if you if your phone could only do one of these options, which one would you choose? Text. Video call or phone call? Text. So don't don't call you?
0: I mean, you can, but if I only had to pick one, I prefer a text. Okay. Yeah.
1: Fair enough. Streamline the information.
0: It's hard to tell tone from a text, so sometimes you have to follow up a, phone, a text with a phone call, but mm-hmm. text.
1: Okay. And because I know you're in the entrepreneurial space, small business space, uh, who would you say is your favorite black business to to patron currently or in recent recent memory i'm sure there's a a bunch but if you had to pick one
0: okay so you said freestyle and tell the truth i'm in one right now okay but i can't always come to an event space i love food my favorite place is Baobab Fair. Mm. Um, and not because they just won Chopped, which they did, but those are the homies going back to like 2017. I met Mamba and Nadia, and they're the most genuine, amazing people, and I've been eating their food for a long time. Um, so Baobab Fair, I spend way too much money <laughs> there. <laughs> um, I front like I'm buying food for my whole family, but it's really just for me because my mm. kids are like, oh, wait, I don't really like goat shank. Oh, I thought you did. I (laughs) guess I'll have to eat it myself. So, yeah, Baobabah Fair.
1: Nice, nice. I love that. And I recently just got hip to them and their food. So definitely go there often Um, now since I've been back in the city and understanding which are the spots to go to for restaurants. There's a lot of restaurants that pop up and are um, like – Trendy, so to speak, but everybody don't have good food. So, right, yeah, when you yeah. find one that has good food, you got to gotta continue to go back.
0: Rinse, wash, repeat. I go a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. And do you have a show that you are currently binge watching or that you really enjoy? Mm.
0: Snowfall just came back, but I'm not I, – I couldn't really – I couldn't make it halfway through the first episode. So, Wu-Tang mm. uh, series – uh, Poker Face That's the one I'll pick okay. Poker Face That's a great one It got 100% Rotten Tomatoes And I think that's great Like it's, That means it's really good But okay. it's a good show Poker Face
1: Nice Okay Well shout out to you You successfully passed Freestyle Friday. <laughs> that was fun Nice Nice That's, that's the intent of it um, Sometimes to get people Under the hot seat But I
0: yeah really rapper. I was like I could make the beat
1: Next time, next time. <laughs> Don't even worry about it. Um, but going back into Trip Slip um, 1 and 2, so you gave us the background in your story about how it came about through your professional journey and business endeavors. But could you tell us about the current state of Trip Slip? How does it operate? How does it work? And give us some more insight on that.
0: Totally. So, the current state of TripSlip is what's called an MVP. So, minimum viable product is what that stands for. So, what's the, the quickest version, the ugliest version you can get to market and start getting feedback and begin to iterate from? So, um, we just launched the MVP. We've got some beta users. We're going to have it in both of the stores Android, the Google Play Store first, and then Apple. Um, we'll do it at the same time, just being funny. But um, those will be in, it should be by the end of the month. Um, and where we're at with it is trying to figure out what's next. Like, as a founder, you have all these grandiose ideas of where you want it to go and what it should be. and But you need to let the market dictate that to you. Mm. Like, the first thing was proving the hypothesis of people want an app that helps to put field trips at their fingertips. And they mm. do. Cool. The hardest thing about a field trip, or at least the first step of a field trip, is getting permission and getting it paid for. Mm. So what I think should happen is a teacher should be able to manage an entire field trip from her fingertips. She should be able to create not only her permission slip and collect the money. She should be able to book the venue. She should be able to book her transportation. She should be able to make sure that the kids have food to eat and be able to see all of those things. She should know where her chaperones are, who they are. So all of these things I have in mind, but we're going to let the market tell us.
1: Nice. Nice. And then how do you, um, as far as the, uh, process of using this as a education, field trip, uh, empowerment uh, tool, how do you kind of start to have those conversations with the organizations who would be using these the most? How do you get this in front of people in order to make them aware of all of the benefits that TRIPSLIP could provide?
0: That's a great question. So a lot of people think that it's top down when it's really grassroots, bottom up we don't need to engage with districts or even schools we need teachers to do it because they're the ones who have the problem it's teachers and parents that have to work together um during the process of building trip slip i conducted 216 customer discovery interviews 80 of those were teachers lots and lots of parents um, transportation companies, and the thing that we saw the most and we heard the most was there's no rubric. I have to put all this together myself. I have to think of where we're going, when it could work. I have to check with the other teachers to see that it doesn't conflict with what they have going on. On top of that, I have to call all the places, go back and forth with them, see what days, date, and times work, et cetera, et cetera. So we saw that the the issue, where the issues really lied was with the teachers, because principals maybe they were teachers at one time but it's not a problem that they have today mm-hmm. and they're being inundated with people who want to sell them things already but because trip slip is a free it's free to create a trip slip it's free to fill out a trips trip slip it's a freemium model in terms of how we'll build it so essentially we don't charge teachers anything we don't charge parents anything if you want to pl- to pay for your kid on trip slip we'll charge a convenience fee because most people don't carry cash. Everybody gets direct deposit. Mm -hmm. Everything is digital. So it's an inconvenience for me to have to stop at an ATM at a gas station on the way to my kid's school because it's not near my credit union. I have to pay a convenience fee to the ATM. I have to pay a fee to my bank for using a foreign ATM. Then I only need $10. The ATM is going to give me 20. So now I got to buy a honey bun at (laughs) seven o'clock in the morning to break this 20, which I don't need to get 10 bucks. So to save that nine dollars, I'll pay $2 to be able to have that convenience. Mm -hmm. So we only make money when money is exchanged. And so as the platform grows, and as we're bringing on vendor partners and helping them to ease their booking process, we'll charge them a fee per person for that. Mm -hmm. So that's how we'll make money. But it doesn't cost anything to anyone until money is exchanged.
1: Gotcha. And I, I can't tell you how important that is because working with youth and having my own nonprofit organization and wanting to do field trips and expiration days with our students, how hard it is trying, just trying to get a permission slip back that's signed by the right person, making sure it's not plagiarized, like all those type of things. It's an entire process. So being able to have that done in a more simplified form. And then also, like you said, payments. I can just remember the nightmare that was growing up as far as trying to get cash or get a check and turn that in with the permission slip and hoping that both of those get there through your student um, is a is a a task all in itself. So I think that 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 work is definitely important. And uh, what I wanted to uh, ask you about was how going from idea to making this a reality, how were you able to build out a team of people to support with this effort and identify who you should be and shouldn't be working with?
0: Ooh, okay. So building out the team, you always start with people you know. Like, we're sitting in Centric Place. It's run by Gerard and Rachel Allen. Rachel Allen's been my best friend for, like, 20 years. She's an operations expert. So when you have people like that around you, like, even if we just have a girl talk, I'm picking your brain and I'm picking up on things. And she's my fractional COO. She's in all of my pitch decks. I just, I didn't even ask her. I just told her, I was like, you know, you're my fractional COO, right? She's like, yeah, sure. But, um, I needed a CTO. So, um, I ended up finding someone through TechTown that I worked with who is a software developer who is now, we're having talks about bringing her on as uh, a Mm co-founder, um, and figuring out what that looks like for us to grow the company together. So I think you start within your circle, and you start to see, like, hey, I know somebody, and maybe this person will work. And I had a guy who was a fractional CTO, and he was working out for a time, but when I needed him to help me start putting rubber to the road, he couldn't because he's getting married, and he's mm-hmm. got a full-time job, and he's a, he's a developer himself. He's building a video game, so he just didn't have the bandwidth. And so I really lucked up being matched with um, – her name is Brittany – and it's been phenomenal. And I literally sleep better at night because I have all these ideas about how to make something happen. I'm an ideas person. I'm a salesperson. Like, all of that. But how do we actually make it function? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you just do this. You do that. And it's like, hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's it's a load off.
1: Nice. Uh, as far as being a salesperson, could you tell me more about your background with that because obviously that 's going to be important to anything that you do in life, I personally feel like, but especially for what you 're doing because you 're constantly getting in front of in front of uh people and talking to people being a part of different competitions and um, grant opportunities so how how have you kind of grown your muscles in terms of being a salesperson
0: that 's an excellent question. Number one, I'd like to say that salespeople get a bad rap. One thing that you said is convince people. A true salesperson doesn't have to convince anyone to buy anything because that's when you feel like you got duped. If you go somewhere and you're just kind of looking at something and you feel pressure to buy because you don't want to say no, that's when you walk away feeling salty versus, man, that was great. That person solved my problem. Like anything that exists in the marketplace was sold, anything. A loaf of bread, a bottle of water, a salesperson brought it to someone else and brought the idea either to market or to the market like it, it, all of us are in sales, but a lot of people think that it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. um I became a salesperson accidentally um I mentioned that I was a process server, so I was doing security um I got uh married at twenty two Uh, after having transferred schools, losing a bunch of credits, I basically started over at school, met my husband. A couple years into our marriage, we ended up having my daughter. I was uh, starting my senior year after having gotten up to my senior year and being kicked back down to second semester freshman because of the amount of credits that I lost. Um, And that was the last successful semester that I had at school was with my daughter. So was process serving, And met a gentleman who worked at a company called Centos. They're known as the uniform people, but this was the first aid and safety division. And so he was impressed with me. He just, he thought I was funny and personable. And he was like, man, if you can process serve, which is the actual service of you're being sued and you have to report to court, it's not an easy job. You only get paid if you serve somebody. So I'm having to go to strangers' houses and convince them to take these papers. Not an easy job. Mm -hmm. So he's like, if you can do that. And I was like... I can if I can do that, I can talk to you about these first aid products, especially <laughs> I got a uniform and a van like I'm more legit this way. So that's how I got into sales. And the thing was, I was the first black female in that division, not at my location, in the division at the, of the company at the time. Now, granted, there was only a couple dozen locations, but I was only the third black person they ever hired. I was replaced by the, uh, like, it was a black dude who was replaced by another black dude, and I replaced that black dude. Mm. And so it was this thing of, it's 2009, why am I the first black whatever? So all these people are educated. They all have degrees. Some of them with masters. I got a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I'm the only person from the hood. So I'm like, that's my running joke is I'm going to do it for the hood. Like, I'm doing it for Dexter. So I was
1: going to say what hood specifically, but yeah. West side, baby. You you shouted out Dexter. (laughs) Dexter,
0: yeah. So, um, so. My thing was I want to be the best and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill it because what do I have to lose? I got this baby. I'm divorced. I have nothing else to lose. So sales is what showed me that I could be an entrepreneur because I went out there and I killed it. Like we used to run a route. The idea was that you want to do at least $1,000 a day in sales. You do $1,000 a day, that's deemed successful okay, that's like the the baseline though, right? so if there's twenty days in a month, that's twenty grand. My route was doing anywhere between thirty seven and forty five thousand dollars a month, strong mm. like on average, but I'm seeing okay, if I'm doing forty k a month, let's say on average, that's like almost half a million dollars a year, and y'all not even paying me seventy thousand. I want to get closer to that half a meal, so I'm like, why can't I just do this for myself, and so this is all. Me coming back to this idea of the food cart, like, the, like mixing this idea of business-to-business sales but with my products mm-hmm. to, to make those margins a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. And sales has served me well. It's, it, it's what helps me to be able to do public speaking because it's much harder to get into a room where people are looking at you like this, what's she trying to sell me, versus 200 people in a room where I can make eye contact with you and I see you smiling and I can, it's a parlor trick. Confidence is a parlor trick. And it's mm-hmm. something like I literally had to get in my mirror every morning and affirm myself. You're the best you can. do like And it sounds stupid at first until you start to believe it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, this actually works. And before you know it, other people are telling you you're the best mm-hmm. man. You're killing it. And it changed the stereotype about black people at that location. So sales for me, is the key to entrepreneurship because we're all in sales whether we understand it or not when you're in an interview you're selling yourself right when you're trying to get somebody to buy something from you at a garage sale man you know i've had this record player for 30 years it's really served me well what are you trying to get for it i want 50 i'll give you five not gonna let it go for less than than 30 like Mm -hmm. that that's my everybody's in sales Mm -hmm. we just don't we don't realize just like i heard somebody say everybody's in real estate everybody pays rent everybody pays a mortgage you just don't realize you're in the real estate game. You're just mm. not benefiting like from it like most. So mm. I just don't shy away from the fact that I'm a salesperson.
1: That's huge. That's huge. Uh, and I agree 100% with everything that you said. We all are definitely selling ourselves or selling an idea, selling something uh, when you're trying to get people to um, buy into it, whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, um, a loaf of bread, who's to say a loaf of bread costs $3, $4, $5? It's all about what... I can perceive value. Mm. I think it's the, it's the proper term. Um, and then that, I think that that's what you had mentioned when you had first started about what's the value that I can offer you through this thing that I may have or have access to and not necessarily telling you like, Hey, this is the best thing in the world. And, you know, like that kind of quick sweaty palm salesman is what they, is what they call them.
0: A hundred percent. It's the guy that'll sell your grandmother a lemon. Cause it's the last day of the month and he's trying mm-hmm. to make his bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, price is what you pay and value is what you get. Mm-hmm. Like, you got on some fresh J's. Those things have a different value to you than somebody else who just wants right. a pair of sneakers. So right. the price that you're willing to pay for the value that's delivered on those sneakers is mm-hmm. different than what somebody else will pay who doesn't necessarily, oh, I don't like to wear Jordans. Yep. You know, so that's, I think that that's the difference is being able to help someone understand the value of what you have to offer mm-hmm. so that they're willing to pay your price.
1: And to the. uh does point that you made about the shoes I I would never understand why people pay for certain like game worn or like worn stuff I'm, I ain't paying for nobody dirty clothes Come or on. dirty dirty Come on. items period <laughs> ever in life I'm good It's
0: got Kobe's sweat on it like yeah.
1: No. I'm good on that. now I was raised a little bit differently. But, <laughs> hey, do y'all. Whatever whatever your perceived value is, do you and stick to your roots. Not the dirty clothes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any, because you are, you've been in and around entrepreneurial small business space for uh, quite some time, and I wanted to know, actually, before I ask that, I wanted to get this question off want to know what has your experience been like being a black woman in business and then you can also talk about it from the tech perspective as you're stepping into that space but really just want to know what has that journey kind of been like uh for you because you know that can be a space where a lot of women don't feel seen or feel like the road is that much uh diff- much more difficult or harder because of you know who they who they are and their genetic makeup so I want to get your insight on that
0: that's a really great question. And at the risk of giving an answer that's not popular, it's been great. Perception, how people feel. We can't control how people feel, what, they might, what might be perceived. I am someone, first of all, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus. And my Bible tells me that I'm more than a conqueror. Mm. So I can't be a conqueror and a victim at the same time. Mm. So you're not going to tell me that because I'm a black person or because I'm a woman that I can't do something. I live in America. Like, if nothing, if if it can't be done anywhere else in the world, it can happen here. Mm-hmm. But I've benefited from the idea that women and Black people have been kept down. So my experience has been great. I just came back from South by Southwest, completely paid for by Venture Three One Three, like board, like boarding room per diems for Ubers and food. Like, what? I knew what South by Southwest was. I didn't realize it was so heavy into the entrepreneur and the tech space. But it was incredible. And somebody stroked a check for me to go there. And they literally said, James Feigen, who put everything together for us, he said, it's hard to be creative when you have to count the cost. So when you're looking at the pennies and saying, ooh, this flight, and oh, wait a minute, I don't have enough for this scooter and this Uber and Mm -hmm. for this and for that which is the space that a lot of people find themselves in. Mm-hmm. I'm a twice-divorced single mother of two. So to stroke a check for five 5000 is what it costs to get to, to South By, to get your your credentials, your flight, a place to stay, because, of course, the, the hotels are three times as much as they would normally be, mm-hmm. to feed yourself and all that. I wouldn't have been able to afford that. It would not have been on my radar. So I have very, very heavily benefited from the idea of making sure that underrepresented founders, women and black people are given a chance. And I respect and appreciate that because I've been an entrepreneur in Detroit since 2007. Mm. Like, it was ugly back then. Very. It was, like, hideous. They weren't picking up trash. Our lights didn't work. Like, the police didn't show up. The schools were garbage. Like, and I've lived in Detroit proper. Like, I didn't go to the suburbs. I came Mm. home and I was home. And so... It feels good to see to feel like there's an investment. Like the investment that I made, the gamble that I made in coming back home and all of my other homegirls who went away to black colleges like I did and stayed, like it's coming back. Um, so I can say the same for the tech space. Now I haven't gotten to some of the heights and the levels, but I see representation in those places. So like I was at a thing today at Eastern Michigan and there was a gentleman there from this company and he was showing this video and I was just watching and I was like, okay. White guy, white guy, white guy, white guy, white guy, white guy, white. No black people. Mm -hmm. No women. So I get that there's that. But I don't believe that because I'm black or female that somehow I'm absconded from the opportunity to put my ideas out there. Mm. If it's good enough, the market will validate it, and it's going to allow you to bring it to to the market. There's no law that says that I can't because of who I am. Mm. So... That's that's kind of where I am. And I hope that that answers your question. Absolutely. But a, I think a lot of times people, uh, especially kids, I, hear my, I have a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old. And my 16-year-old, um, she comes back at me like, oh, well, they're just doing that because we're black. And I'm like, careful. You know what I mean? Don't mm-hmm. limit yourself because of what you think someone else thinks. You don't know what someone thinks. You only right. know what they say. Right. You know? So it's been great. Overall, it's not easy, but it's a lot easier than it would have been 50 years ago, 30 years. Ago. My mo- my mother couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. My mother had an opportunity to be one of the first recruits at West Point, a black female recruit at West Point in the late 70s. Unfortunately, she was pregnant with my brother, my not my late brother, but my oldest living brother. And so she couldn't go. But you got to think the fact that there we were still not allowed to do stuff like that 40 years ago says something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? none of those barriers exist for us anymore. So I think it's important that we don't create them in our own minds and tell ourselves what we can't do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's
1: prolific. I won't even touch that. I just got to let that, let that ride. Just let that breathe. Um, so thank you for for sharing that and uh, opening my eyes to your experiences in that space and wanted to uh, take it a step further as far as you being an entrepreneurial small business space and wanted to, Uh, Know if you would tell us a little bit about how you are now helping those who are also entering that space or in that space and looking for change, innovation, or looking to go to the next level Um, and some of the work that you do around that.
0: Yeah. I heard an expression years ago, and it's each one reach one, each one teach one. So, like, as black folks, I heard a statistic, like, the the dollar in the Jewish community circulates for two weeks before it exits. Mm-hmm. The dollar in the Asian community ex, uh, circles for like ten days before it exits. Mm-hmm. In the Arab community, it's like seven days. In the Black community, it's like an hour. Yes. And people are like that. Mm, Cap. Like that's not true. But think about it. If you live in a Black community, and you get paid, what you got to do? You got to fill up your car with gas. Go to the gas station owned by Arab. Uh, most times, at least in Detroit, where I'm from, Arabs. Uh, got to get my hair done, go to the beauty supply store owned by an Asian. Oh, let me pay my rent. This apartment building that I lived in is owned by a Jewish person. You know, our money doesn't circulate, Mm -hmm. um, within our own community. So, if nothing else, let's circulate our ideas. Mm. Let's circulate the knowledge until we can get the money going. So, like, I try to buy black as often as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, you know, when we were talking before the show, it's like, oh, we're going to go to this restaurant. But, like, oh, you know, it's this black-owned hibachi place. Mm -hmm. Like, I haven't been yet, but I heard it's fire because, if nothing else, let's try to keep that that dollar circulating. So, Mm -hmm. I try to buy black as often as I can. But beyond that, I try to explain to people what's going on. I was at... Aldi and this lady, this was around Christmas time. She had all this cheesecake stuff on the conveyor belt and we struck up a conversation. I said, do you make cheesecakes? And she was like, yeah, I sell them on Instagram. And I was like, so you got a business? She was like, yeah. And we have the greatest conversation. And I was like, do you know about this? Do you know about that? And I'm telling her about tech town and I'm telling her about prosper us. And she had no idea because so often as black folks, we are so working, so busy working in our business that we can't work on on our business. And so If nothing else, I want to spread the information and to help mentor people. I gave a talk today at Eastern Michigan, and my last slide was literally my cell phone number, my email address, and I'm like, take a picture of this and shoot me a text. I will text you back, because if nothing else, we have a responsibility, even if it's just a quick question. I'm all about doing it for the hood. I'm from Detroit. Like, that's like, that's my pronoun. (laughs) Like, Detroit (laughs) is I identify as a Detroiter. (laughs) 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> like but, the, but, like, for real, for real, like, everything about me, my, I got a Shinola watch. People are like, Shinola? Detroit. It says Shinola Detroit. Mm-hmm. Like, if nothing else, they're building here. They're employing us. Like, this jacket that I have on, it's designed by my cousin, but he's from Detroit. Like, mm-hmm. it's always going to be about the city. So, even if it's just, I met a young lady at South by who pitched, and she's like, I said, where are you going to be selling this particular thing? She uh, has, like, a vegan dip. That was delicious. I said, Are you gonna bring this? Because we could use those snacks in our gas stations for these babies who are eating this unhealthy food or eating hot Cheetos for grocery. breakfast. Come on yeah. now, like the hood kids diet. So I'm like, Where are you gonna sell this in Detroit? And she didn't have anywhere. And I was like, Let's talk. Take my number down, come down. I'm gonna like, so it's, it's really about not holding the information because a lot of times people are afraid to share because they feel like somebody else is gonna come up before me. It's not a race. And it doesn't cost me anything to light your torch with my torch. It's not going to take away from my flame mm-hmm. for me to light your flame.
1: Mm-hmm. Prolific, you're giving us too much, uh, too many gems. They, you're gonna have somebody investigating the podcast. <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, giving, giving out to me, <laughs> <laughs> giving out too many secrets. <laughs> That's what we want. That's what we want. <laughs> so, thinking about the future and forward-looking, how do you plan to? take trip slip to the next level how do you plan to elevate Asha Jones the brand I know you had mentioned you did a couple pinch competitions pitch competition and then also speaking engagements so how do you plan to elevate um, from a personal perspective uh, could you kind of give us a look into your crystal ball what you see on the horizon
0: man so honestly the goal is to build trip slip up to a place to where it's a natural choice when you think about field trips you think about trip slip how to build that is really just being enthusiastic, being a salesperson, being available, um, and getting other people to be as excited about it as I am. Like, you know how, like, m- the Motor City, everybody here knows, not everybody, but, like, I'm a car person. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell a Toyota from the front or from the, like, I, yep. I just, I know cars, but cars don't turn my head, as buses. I was like, ooh, whose coach is that? Oh, GTS got a new <laughs> bus, okay, is that... Is that accept oh, Okay. Like, it's <laughs> weird. So I'm, a, I'm actually obsessed with this idea, and it's all that I think about. When I see, oh, there's a new family entertainment center that's open, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to find out who the owner is, I'm going to talk to them, and I'm going to see, like, hey, I got this thing. So I think it's really just about getting enough people excited about Trip Slip to where it becomes, you know... I hate to use the word viral because people be like make this go viral and it'll have four <laughs> likes. It's so dumb. Like, don't ever say that. <laughs> but like, to get enough people who are fans of it, that they'll be raving fans. That, that teachers will tell other teachers. That parents will tell other parents. That they'll tell teachers, and before you know it, we've got schools, and the schools become districts, and the districts become you know after-school programs, and that it's, it becomes a natural choice. Like, I, as far as me and a personal brand goes, like. I enjoy speaking like I, I host stuff I, I, I do MC work but all of that has really been a natural progression in me finding my voice it started as as a salesperson and then doing pitch competitions I want mm-hmm. I did and won a pitch competition through Prosperous Detroit in 2017 mm-hmm. they asked me to come back and share my story later that year and I did they were like wow that was really great do you think you might want to host this for us next year and I was like I've never done it, but yeah. So I did it for free because if I messed up, you can't be mad that you paid me. But it (laughs) went really well. Mm -hmm. And then I did it again and I did it again. So I would love to do more hosting and speaking engagements and that sort of thing Um, because the ultimate goal is to be employed by my company. I have a full-time job right now, Mm -hmm. which is difficult because I can't necessarily go and do the things that I need to do and get all my deliverables done, and be a good mother. Like, I don't do anything other than mom, trip, slip, and work. I don't yeah. date. Like, <laughs> I don't go places that's not, like, network. I don't go to the club. Like, are oh, you going out? I'm networking at night. Like, right. <laughs> go get fresh. <laughs> then we're, we going yeah, to that, meet some people. That's your
1: club, the networking event. Real yeah. talk. Yeah.
0: Um. But so that's really what it is. And so for me, all of those things are inseparable because – I got a trip slip sticker on my car. I can't drive like a jerk because they'd be like, I hate that company. Who is that? She cut me off. Like, So I think that all of them sort of go together mm-hmm. because when I do host things, it's usually entrepreneur-focused, entrepreneur-centered. So it's like, hey, can you share your story? Talk- I'm going to talk about what it is that I'm doing. So you're going to hear about my business, and you're going to hear about these kids.
1: <laughs> Love it. Love it. So if people want to reach out to you and take you up on your – Uh, offer to help out if they want to reach out to you how can they contact you if they want to learn more about trip slip or uh, follow your journey as a person
0: cool so trip slip information first email address is requests plural so requests at try try like i want to try something out so requests at trytripslip.com. the number for tripslip is 888-4-TRPSLP 888-4-TRPSLP again I'm not scared to get my number out, 313-285-7236. You can text me. Um, and my personal email is hey, like hey, hey, yo, hey. It's hey <laughs> at tritripslip.com. So people can always reach out. I'm on Instagram at Asha So-and-so. Asha is A-C-H-S-H-A, so and so. So Asha So-and-so. And on Instagram, we're at Tours or at Slip. So, yeah, accessible. I'm out here.
1: I see, I see, and you might be breaking Black Friday's history you might be the first person to ever give out a phone number on the podcast, I'll have to double check that, but I think you're probably the first person to give out a phone number if you're not the first person to give out a phone number, you're definitely the first person to give out two phone numbers, so congrats to you on that, but uh, truly congratulations on everything that you're working on and uh, appreciate your dedication to the small business entrepreneurship community in the city of Detroit your dedication to the city of Detroit and then also um, piloting trip slip and making sure that there is a a more feasible way to get these things done so I appreciate your time your efforts in that and um, everybody who watching the podcast I appreciate y'all and I'll tap in with y'all soon thank you thank you